0: Back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and this afternoon I am delighted to be joined by John Paul Mason. JP, uh, the dust has settled on yet another European night. And last night I was kind of caught up in the emotion of what happens when you get a right good result against a top, top European side. And I have woke up this morning and I feel exactly the same. I don't think it was the, the post match emotions that were running wild. Um, if I tend to think about the game, I've watched a lot of the uh, the post match stuff with Brendan and all the interviews, and I just think it was a right good performance against a top level side last night.
1: Yeah, my only uh, <clears throat> my only disappointment stretches back to the previous two games. Yeah, where you're just like, if we just got something at home against Lazio, so even a point, and not lost that game, it just it really that's the hangover into last night's game, but. Last night's game as a standalone game was, was unbelievable. And I think a lot of people did fear that the worst may be going into it. My friend Chris was, I spoke to him yesterday on the phone and in the afternoon, he was like, Oh, it's going to be a long night tonight. And this, that, and the next thing. And I was like, I don't know about that. I, I, I think the way that we were playing, especially after the way we dismantled Harps, um, at 10 Castle, that gave a lot of cause for optimism. Um, even though only 570 of us were fortunate enough to be there and could have and should have been more, but that's that's another another topic for later on maybe. But yeah, I thought the way we played against Hearts, and I know that's one thing doing it against Hearts at Tynecastle Castle, it's a much bigger task doing it against Atletico Madrid at Celtic Park. A ground at, at one point in my life was a place where teams like that came and you really did think you had a chance against them. Um, so maybe there was a bit of that nostalgia on my part, thinking last night could be the night. And it so very nearly was. Um, I, 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 the atmosphere, so much better than the Lazio game. I don't know if it had to do with the way that it started in terms of the you'll never walk alone. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to label anything that Ryan Downey because it I don't think it was anything personal against her. I said before it could have been Celine Dion singing You'll Never Walk Alone. It's just something that you don't mess with on a night like that. And last last night, particularly with the backdrop of um, the flag displays, which, again, is another another topic that you could veer off on as well, and maybe we will, but um, with that combined with this. sort of I don't know. I just think people maybe felt like they had some making up to do for the Lazio game, like the summit like the fans. I certainly felt like I did. I, I wanted to give it everything, and I did. I found myself up off my, my, my chair more than more than once in the first half an hour. May have had something to do with a half bottle of fortified wine that I consumed in the way of the game, but <laughs> um, and, um, but yeah, I just I just felt we were in the game, and the first half was. Incredible to watch. It was it was so enjoyable to to be sitting there and you're looking at the the team you're playing, Griezmann and oh yeah, uh, I and mean, Griezmann's unbelievable to see him in full flow. I certainly wasn't going to be applauding him off the park uh, if that had happened. Maybe it did. I can't remember if he got subbed off, but it was some player to watch. Um, but I'm just glad that they weren't going away with three points. That's that was the main thing.
0: Yeah, Griezmann finished the game. Uh, JP, a couple of things I want to pick up on. Uh, I do want to talk about the atmosphere because it's something you spoke about post-Lazio. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that you said it was quite flat. And so that's interesting that the fans came back in abundance in, in terms of the atmosphere that was created there. I think a massive part of that leading into the game was the uh, board versus Green Brigade uh, dialogue that was played out uh, in public, really. And obviously, uh, I think we've... Um, We've nailed our colours to the mast on that one, JP, and uh, I think you can see it loud and clear behind you what our, our kind of take on it is. But in relation to the atmosphere, it's the natural element of atmosphere at Celtic Park that is the beauty of it. And I just think if you try and tinker with it, then, you know, you, if it's no broke, leave it as it is. You and I are both big rian Downey fans, so it wasn't anything personal, absolutely not. Um, but I think it was back to its best last night. Uh, Now, also, you were talking about fortified wine. And I'm always of the view that, you know, if there's uh, some kind of colloquialism or some kind of um, local cultural, uh, you know, mention, then we need to explain what that is to people who might be living in uh, far-flung places like Vietnam, where now and again we're number one in the Vietnamese podcast Uh, charts. Tell us, what is this fortified wine you talk of?
1: uh, And can you get it in Vietnam? <laughs> Quite probably, I. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a, a medicinal a medicinal wine yeah. that you can uh, take on occasion to I don't know maybe give you a bit of a kickstart to your evening <laughs> like, like like a cross between a, a Pinot Noir and a, a can of Monster. Uh, oh yeah, yes, to be fair, but uh, other other uh, energy drinks are available. <laughs> but, um, yeah Buckfast tonic Wine is the is the, is the the drink of choice and yes. um, for many fans as you see so many people drinking it on the way to games and stuff like that but I, I knew I wasn't going to get much time in the pub I made a calculated decision to have a have a, a dalliance with a bottle of uh, the was that half charger or
0: was it a, the full burner it was a half decker right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> a full burner probably wouldn't be speaking to you right now but um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's always good to get a like I said a bit of a kickstart to your to your night uh, heading into a game like that. I mean I don't think I would do it for Kilmarnock at home on a Saturday, put it that way. But uh, I, I just think nights like last night, I, just, I think potentially that's what everybody else did as well because there was definitely there was something in the air last night where you you felt it you felt that kind of electricity that's that's. It's defined at Celtic Park. It's, it's, you know when it's going to be a good night. You just get that feeling, and last night I had that feeling that I did not expect to be celebrating a Kyogo goal within a few minutes of the, the start. Though, I went with like the build up way to that goal, i have not even watched it back on the TV. I, I saw it enough times at the game to know what it was like. But the ball from Matt Riley again, exactly, almost exactly the same as the Lazio game. Um, perfectly weighted and yes. left foot finish in the bottom corner against uh, against a pretty good keeper. So um, that was a great start and place went mental. Obviously, you're then thinking, is it been too early? Have we scored too early? The classic case of scoring too early in a European game and then worrying for the rest of the game. But then obviously the penalty came soon after. And that's uh, not. I've not seen the penalty back. Was it a penalty? Have you seen it?
0: Uh, yes, I have. Um, I, I want to talk about that. Uh, but again, with the goal, though, JP, I totally agree with you. The weight of the pass was was sublime. It was perfect, actually, from Matt O'Reilly, who last night got the man of the match, or the player of the, the match, rather, uh, trophy from UEFA. Well deserved. I thought he was outstanding. We spoke about him after the game. We spoke about the fact that every single time in, in his football career, not just at Celtic, that he progresses and then another challenge is faced, um, and he always overcomes it. JP, there are certain people who there are limits to their game, and then they get to that point and they can't go any further, and that's the limit, and they you know often um, accept that. But there are some players like Matt O'Reilly who you you think to yourself, we talk about a ceiling, and how high his ceiling is, and um, you know the world is is his oyster. At this moment in time, we were talking about that. Every single time some th- obstacles put in his way, he overcomes it. every challenge and he's stepping up and stepping up. And, you know, the, the step up, the, the first one we saw was uh, joining Celtic, coming from a team like MK Don's third tier of English football. Getting thrown right into the, the team as well, by the way. Remember that that game against Hearts with uh, Rio Atati getting thrown right in, and straight away you're thinking, wow, what a player he is. Is it a flash in the pan? No. Start doing it consistently. Then you think, how can he do it in Europe? And he's proved that he he can do it in Europe. And we were talking last night, not just competing, but starring. Actually being the star man on that European stage. And then the next challenge for him will, of course, be the international call-up, which is uh, bound to to follow his call-up recently against San Marino, where he didn't get any minutes. But he's that type of player, JP, that he's just getting better and better all the time. It's not as if he's going to hit his peak and not get any better. You just know he's constantly evolving.
1: Totally. I think it would have probably, had that game not gone the way it did uh, in San Marino, obviously it was quite tight. It was a tight affair. 2-1 they won in the end. Uh, I think maybe if they'd put a bit of distance between themselves and San Marino, Denmark that is, then he might have got 15-20 15-20 minutes or something you know, mm. rather than it being like a a wasted journey um, not a wasted journey of course it's not a wasted journey he was involved with the first team squad that's a huge deal uh, to, to come from um, out of the blue I think he was on holiday in Marbella and then he got a call to say <laughs> we need you in the, 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 the senior team, and in international team so uh, a huge deal for him but I think obviously like you said that'll come um, but I mean, he's he's just been incredible to watch. I mean, he's going, he's going at Tink I mean,
0: what a finish!
1: I can almost can't say enough about that. Like I, I can't think of the words to describe how good it is and how how hard that is to do. I mean, obviously, I've never played football at any serious level, but uh, it's one of those ones where, as it's coming over, you imagine it going in that very few people can actually execute it. You know, the most, most people would just, you know, mishit it Sky or whatever. But to hit it so sweet first time and and put that put us ahead at Tynecastle, and I don't think there was any coming back from that goal for them, really. I mean, it, even just one goal. I know we got a second fairly quickly, but I think that one goal, it was, it was such a... It was just an absolute... It was like a left foot... A left, um, a left hook blow. Mm -hmm. They they were just, I think, dazed after that and no disrespect to Stephen Naismith but I don't think he's the the level of coach that is going to bring a team that team back into a game against the Celtic side. I just don't think that's possible and um, very sweet to do it against them there and just unfortunate that there was no more of us there to see it but uh, maybe that will be amended in the future but but Matt O'Reilly last night, just that Swagger that he plays with, but not a cocky swagger, just a kind of assured swagger. Yeah, of the way that he like shapes his body to pass. He's always like looking to to shape his body to to, to turn whatever way in, in the middle of the park. And let's not forget, we lost one of the three like linchpins of that midfield. That everybody was, everybody would have said, right, the midfield is McGregor, O'Reilly, and Hattati. That's what everyone. Because even though Hitati's form has been erratic, you know that you're going to get, you could get a performance out of him, and especially at that level. Just one
0: so, moment, just one moment, JP, to unlock the defence. That's yeah. what you get out of the wheel.
1: Yeah, but, but then Matt O'Reilly has to adjust, oh, and Carl McGregor has to adjust to a new player who they're not that used to playing with, especially not a game of that magnitude. Fair enough, they train with the guy every day and all the rest of it, but there's a hell of a difference in, what it's like playing in a game with that pressure? Do you trust him with the ball? Do you, you know, all all of that? It's it's it was a big ask last night for for Bernardo. And I thought he did, without being overly flash. I thought he did. I thought he did well to come in to a game with that pressure as a young guy. I mean, what is he? Twenty one. if that, yeah. twenty one years old. So with little experience of playing Champions League football, and suddenly he's playing against. Atletico Madrid um, it's just like Matt really, like you said he got flung in as well and these guys if they've been trained well from a young age and they've got the right mentality then you like to think that our scouting team has identified that within them i.e. Mm-hmm. they're not as Milo Uh they're not somebody that is going to be a, a liability you know I didn't see anything from Bern- Bernardo to suggest that he was going to be rash or you know, like Tiago Odin Tiago home getting the red card against Feyenoord Do you know exactly. what I mean? You can't yeah. as Rogers just said, you can't have anybody walking that tightrope of 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 discipline. You have to have that that discipline at that level. Otherwise that ref last night, the guy next to me, older guy that sits next to me was like, Where's that ref from? I was like well Lark <laughs> Hole. <laughs> Uh, I looked up and I was like German, and he went off. And I said, "That's not really what you'd expect from a German referee," because it—he it was—he it wasn't the best. I don't think. No, he
0: wasn't. It was a poor performance. Well, yeah. and we'll get to the penalty, uh, yeah. JP, because Brennan Rodgers has uh, commented on it as well. No, I, everything you're saying there, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding. I'm in agreement. I think uh, there's going to be comments coming through about poor recruitment, um, and I can I can absolutely get behind these comments because I think that. There were a lack of options on the bench in so far as game changing options. I think I want to talk about Rogers and the changes that he made, because I've seen some criticism, particularly on social media, around it. And I'm going to give a different view on that. Because I think the I think the actual changes were the reason we got a two-two draw. I don't think that we were thrown in the towel. I think the changes that Atletico Madrid made at halftime. Um meant that they came out a completely different beast in that second half, JP. I don't know when you were at the game if you got a sense of that. I was watching it thinking, wait a minute. We were pinning them back. We had this high press. Maeda and Kyogo were all over them, uh, like flies. They were like moths to a flame every time, closing them down, not giving them a minute. And I was watching the game. I wasn't at the game. I was covering it, obviously, for Axon. And I was watching the game. The commentators obviously weren't that familiar with Kyogo and Maeda, and they were blown away with the way that they approach the game, you know, the energy levels, JP, do we take it for granted? Probably to a degree. But in the first half, Celtic played them really high up the park. In the second half, Alayko Madrid came out and it was a completely different shape. They showed that they could damage us. And I actually think that the, the change that he made, it wasn't something that's going to get you off your seats, you know, bringing on that Phillips for the Lewis Palma. But he'd done it because he, I think he knew that had we not shored up the defence, JP, they would have they would have damaged us. I mean, they obviously got the, the second equaliser. But I think they would have gone on to win the game had we not made the, the the changes. I think the disappointment for me was in the last 15, 10, 15 minutes. I thought maybe we were then going to go back to, and revert back to the game plan that we had in the yeah. first half. I mean, might have made a, a difference, but by then... I think we were we were basically empty in terms of energy levels.
1: Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary.
0: BDW. Void are
1: prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Definitely. Definitely. I think I think you could you could see. And Brendan Rodgers made reference to it afterwards, saying that the players aren't used to that level and that tempo. And we're not. The simple fact is we're not. I mean... The concentration levels in the game last night for those players must have been to the point that you would get a headache that you're concentrating that hard. I mean, genuinely, like, because if you think about it, you just have to, you cannot switch off for a second that's a, that's a against right. any of those guys because they'll just, they'll pounce as they did with the equaliser. I mean, the, that header... Why do we always concede absolutely unbelievable. Where did it hit
0: him? in the head. It was a strange connection. What a finish, by the way. But it yeah. wasn't like a clean forehead header, was it? It was like top of the head business so far. Joe other end,
1: the other end of the ground for me, so I, I, kind of as soon as I saw the ball going in, I was like, it's a goal. It's a goal. They just had this horrible sinking feeling that it was a goal. The, 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 the consolation for me is that they didn't follow it up with another one because that is obviously us. In a nutshell, in Europe, where we would just be undone twice in the space of a couple of minutes, and then yeah. it's a hard luck story. We've got no points in the board and everything else. But um, no, I think you've got a point about it in that Phillips substitution. You say you say it doesn't get people up off their seats. It certainly got Eddie up off his seat behind me because he is not a fan in that Phillips, and he made that quite uh, quite vocal vocal last night, man. But you know. I, can't please everybody. Eddie was at the original, the 1974 Atletico Madrid game, by the way, so, uh, for an idea of his, of his vintage. But, um, yeah, I I thought, I thought we definitely needed to do something to combat what they were going to do because it was obvious they were going to come out and go for us. Yeah. With, you know, why wouldn't they? They're not going to just play nice football and sit back and and soak it up. You knew that they had the tools in the box to come at us and, and it's always one of those ones where like half-time comes and you're like, ah, if only there was a way of somehow playing another 15 minutes of this game of the second half now before they get time to regroup. Because it kind of, as you know, half-time always kind of just sucks. It doesn't suck the life out of the stadium, but it, it, it's a pause that's hard to unpause from. I think for everybody on the ground as well, yeah. I've been there many times before where... You're so absorbed in the game, you're so like tuned into it, and obviously the players are as well. So then, when they switch off at, for at half time, it must be quite hard to suddenly just be like, "Oh, here we are, we're back in this situation again. We need to be totally on it um, for 45 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever." And 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 that's the, the 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 perils of being a top level footballer, I suppose, where you've got to get used to to that on off moment and. I think it did take us a while to find our feet in the in the second half, uh, which allowed them to definitely get a foothold in the in the game, and they, they, they obviously displayed their <laughs> their qualities, which they have in abundance, without a doubt. And I'll also come back to the fact that
0: they were able to make that change and bring the quality off the bench, whereas we weren't. And I think that was one of the biggest concerns for me um, in terms of the uh, the margins of error. You're right; they're so so small. Um, if Greg Taylor doesn't close down Kilmarnock's right winger, um, you know, it's not always going to result in the goal. You know, ironically enough, I did at Rugby Park this season, by the way, but it's not going to result in that goal. If you allow, um, Go Madrid to get that crossing, the source of the problem is
1: he was off the pitch pitch in that game.
0: Aye, aye, (laughs) Um, last night there was a moment of hesitation and I'm talking just a split second of hesitation you could see it emotions as if he's going to go and close down the cross right and then he thinks twice about it and in all oh, fairness to him Kevin McCluskey pointed out last night there was someone else wider and he's maybe thinking right if I do that he's going to sell me because he's going to just play in the the widest player on the right hand side that's maybe what's gone through his mind but if you don't block out the cross like you say the minute that cross is flighted in JP you're thinking this is a goal so it's tiny, tiny margins that domestically you might get away with, but at this level, they're going to punish you. And then even at the back post, you know, if I'm going to be brutal, I, I might even say Cameron Carter-Vickers needs to do better in, in tracking that run. So you, it can't always just be about the source. It's almost like, right, the ball's in, let's deal with that. We didn't deal with the cross. They get the, the, the second goal. And at that point, JP, that was within 10 minutes of them making the double change. So it was, it was an instant impact. And I think at that point, that's maybe why uh, we've looked at that and thought, right, we need to make a change of our own. 67 minutes into the game, um, Phillips comes on to the park. I can see why people might not be too keen on that because it's almost as if it's like we're going to go ultra defensive and just see if we can hang on rather than go for it, uh, go for the jugular the way that we did in the first half. But it was quite clearly a, a different game entirely um, after they came out in the second half. I want to talk about all the different flashpoints as well. Um, but don't get me wrong, I've mentioned a, a couple of wee negatives there, JP. I thought it was an outstanding display, um, you know, over over the piece. And on a different night, you, know, you just never know, we might have got more than a point. But the very fact that we're disappointed with just a point against Atletico Madrid, I think, tells its own story. And my frustrations lie far more in the, in the first two games. So the tagline line here, why performance against Atletico Madrid shows Euro, Euro progress? I think it does. I really do. I think it's
1: we're learning as a group. A hundred percent. And obviously, if you rewind back to the days leading up to the the final game, I think everybody just wanted us to compete. And that's what Brendan Rodger said, that he wanted to happen. He wanted us to be able to compete. Yes, it's massively disappointing to be sitting here. The harsh reality is we've got one point. But analysing those games, I don't think... I don't think anybody neutral or otherwise said after Rotterdam that Celtic were outclassed or embarrassed or, you know, they lost two men in in that game and kept it respectable. We we keep 10, 11 men in the park. Who knows how that game's gone? Palma's goal counts against Lazio. Who knows how that game's gone? I mean, those are... People will be like, "Oh, F spots and maybe's, and it's another, it's another season where we might not get foot, European football after Christmas." It's it's a massive ask of, of of players, especially with a new manager, to to suddenly just be like, "All right, well, we we'll just walks into the Champions League and help ourselves to three points here, a point there, and everything." It's like in an ideal world, we would, but I mean, I don't think. And again, you look back at the draw and you're like, "Oh, this is it's actually a good draw," but. They're still top teams. They're, they're, and they're playing in leagues that are a higher level than us. Yeah, I mean, Atletico Madrid win their game in hand they're top of the, the La Liga. They beat Real Madrid this season. These has got the hat trick, I think, fairly convincingly as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, and we've just gone toe to toe with them and 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 taking a point off them. And yeah, people will be like, oh well, maybe they maybe they were happy with that point. Maybe they are. I don't know, but I, I think. Probably their pride will have been a bit dented last night by not walking away from Celtic Park with three points because they'll look at Lazio and go, well, Lazio got three points. We didn't. And Lazio, the unfancied team now in that group, mm-hmm. um, in terms of... I, I, I would like to think that we've got a realistic chance of going to uh, Rome and, and beating Lazio, especially Are with, you going to Rome, by the way? Are you going I'm not, No, oh, no. I, 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 <laughs> You're I hope, thinking of it. Hopefully, no, hopefully I'll be further away. Than, <laughs> oh, yeah. Than, um, mm-hmm. But uh, no, I think um, I think I think that's a I think with the um, with the you use obviously um, what's the word you use um, the pain of a defeat to channel uh, trying to get a victory and I, and I I, I I would be watching that Lazio home game and being like right we owe them one I know they probably thought they owed us one but that was from four years ago so. Mm. Uh, This is the current campaign, this is the current Champions League that we're in, and I think we definitely owe them one after the absolute sucker punch that they got us with at Celtic Park. Without a doubt, and and when we're talking about progress,
0: let's hear your comments. Because after a game, after the dust has settled, I do have a look through the the comments on YouTube, the social media uh, comments as well, which can be two ends of the scale, JP, to get a sense of how people are feeling after the game. When I took a walk round Celtic Park on Monday morning, and I made the point, it's just a big cavernous stadium. It's a big football stadium, big modern stadium with loads of history, uh, with loads of breeze blocks and loads of plastic seats. And then you add the sixty thousand Celtic fans in there, and magical things can happen. And we were talking about it yesterday. Me and Kevin almost convincing ourselves that we were going to get a result, JP, because magical things can happen at Celtic Park, and they almost did. I want to talk also about. Um, You've got the flag behind you there. Uh the display from the Green Brigade, not only that, but throughout the stadium you could see there was solidarity uh, amongst many, many fans flying the, the flag of Palestine. Um you know, standing in solidarity uh with a uh, uh, people who have not just been oppressed since the seventh of October, JP, they've been oppressed for a long, long time. You know, you've you know, you've spoken about it in the past, and you know, I, I noticed that um your your jersey got a wee bit of traction last week as well uh, when you had it up behind you. And I think that we now have a situation where the board quite clearly came out and said, we don't want you, you to do this. And they were ignored. And they were largely ignored. It wasn't a small pocket of fans, JP. They were absolutely ignored. Where does that go? Because it just shows you, it highlights again the fractured nature of board versus fans. And people might think, you know what, Celtic fans are doing so... You know, the club's doing so well when you start moaning about the board. It's far more nuanced than that, JP. We're a a fan base that I think there's a social conscience there and you do feel as though there's a a different take and a different state of mind when you read the statement that comes out and the communication that comes out from the board. And it wasn't just you, it wasn't just me, it wasn't just the Green Brigade. It was a massive part of the fan base last night, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, I think... um... I, I really get annoyed when I see comments, either in real life or online, and people go, "Oh, ambulance chasers!" Or look at these guys; they just they they think they're these noble noble people who uh, attach themselves to any cause or whatever. And I, I just think how how can like, a, a simple thing to do last night? I I, feel, I watched Channel Four News the other night, and I could not believe what I was seeing. Genuinely, could not believe what I was seeing people being pulled out of rubble in buildings that have been that have been bombed. The shell-shocked kids. Relentless, relentlessly bombed. A kid getting a baby, maybe not a baby, but maybe like a three, four-year-old boy getting his face washed and somebody said, this guy's still alive. There's a guy on Instagram who, uh, I forget his name, um, I'll look it up, but he has been posting from within uh, Gaza and Unfiltered content, which is horrendous to see, but at the same time, it's it's putting the word out there. And and I saw you shared that guy sitting in his porch in America, where he kind of said, "Look, I'll be honest. I've always my entire life thought that uh, Israel was the persecuted, and that Palestine was full of terrorists and everything else." And he's like, "I've I've educated myself, and I've educated myself through things like TikTok or Instagram or whatever where." There is no filter and there is no... Uh, agenda. Yeah. I mean, there's no agenda. There's no large, like, overbearing uh, narrative being pushed. It's, it's, it's the hard reality of the situation is what's happening and what has happened for, for so long. And it's so frustrating to read, read things that are that are happening and it's kind of just been sort of sanitised. Like Keir Starmer said, oh, yeah, we need to get more... Um, it's a humanitarian crisis, we need need to get more food and water and fuel in and everything else. It's like, why is it a humanitarian crisis? What's happening to cause that? It's not a tsunami, it's not a volcano, it's shelling with missiles and and it's killing loads of people every single day who don't deserve to die. The, The people that were killed on October the 7th didn't deserve to die either. But this problem is far bigger than just people... Flinging missiles at each other, and I'm no expert. I'm not claiming to be. I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to be. But like I said, I've, I've been there. I sort of seen the divide, I've, and I've seen this sort of disparity between the two, the two countries, if you want to call them that. And pa- Palestine isn't even barely recognised. It's not recognised. That's why this whole thing is a problem. Mm-hmm. So to to hold a flag up in defiance, not. Necessarily at the Celtic board, but just to hold a flag up in defiance of the situation as as we see it and as it's been played out, it was a simple, easy thing to do. There's not much else really. What else can you do? You can't go over and be Superman and stop missiles from hitting buildings. But I mean, you can at least show that you empathise with with that situation. And and I, I I said last night that we're on the right side of history as a football club and. I even saw someone share that uh, FC Palestina video of Celtic Park completely awash with Palestine flags. And it was a Rangers fan that shared this. I never thought I would see myself sharing a a Celtic video, but here it is. And I just don't understand how anybody could be anti (laughs) that. I mean, if you are, you're just choosing. Like the Hearts fan holding up the Star of David on his phone at at Tynecastle. I mean, I, I, I cannot attribute the right words to describe that guy because... Stop human.
0: Do, it, do, it, you it, and I have spoken about it all week. It's like these people walk among us, you know, yeah. and, and like you said before, right, I don't... Th- I think people sometimes when it comes to politics, for example, they just they don't want to get too involved in it because so, uh, there's so much to take in, right? But I don't think you need to be an expert on the scenario to realise what's happened here. And, you know, it's it's about looking at a scenario where there's an oppressed people who have been oppressed for 75 years plus and the reason behind it. You know, anybody who walks into the scenario and asks why, just ask simply, why is this allowed to happen? Well, it's because the UK and US are allies of Israel. It's as simple as that, right? And that is why you've got the flip side and the hypocrisy of uh, the, the situation with Russia and Ukraine. And, for example, after the game last night, when I was looking at some comments saying, oh, well done, someone on the other side of the view saying, well done, we're going to get a partial stadium closure. You know, if you do, you know, if you do get that, JP, I just think it it absolutely underlines exactly what we're saying here. There's a system in place, uh, there's a propaganda machine, and you've got to kick against it. You've absolutely got to kick against that. And if they then come into your football stadium and say, right, no politics in football, we're going to close your stadium or, or half close your stadium, whatever it may be, that actually rank, ramps it up even further, the message. That, you know, you're actually being trampled into believing uh, the, the mainstream message and the narrative and the agenda. Which, well, you know, Celtic fans that, that waved the flags last night are refusing to believe it. They, they won't
1: believe it. They won't back
0: that narrative.
1: But you look at what happened. The last time we received the fine, was it in 2018? 16? I can't believe that it was seven years ago. Was that mm-hmm. when we Hapwell and mm-hmm. we got fined? And then the Green Brigade um, mobilised a, a match to find for Palestine and I can't remember the figure. I know that it was was it north of 100,000. It was like 145
0: grand or something. That was the one where Roger Waters had it on the big backdrop on stage, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I would like to see a repeat of that. If we get fined, I, I think... If, we, if they were to do the same thing again, I think you would probably find that you would raise maybe more because of the, the the feeling from people. People that may previously would have put in £10 would put in £20. Do you know what I mean? From their support and a wider support as well. The yeah. symb- the symbolism, it, it would be as much about the symbolism of the moment as the as the money itself. And if the money itself was going, I mean, God almighty, even like hundred and fifty grand, when you see the devastation that's been caused there, what does that do? Do you know what I mean? What you, it probably, you'd like to think it would do something significant, but the the, the horror that you've seen unfold there, it's like, where, where does that money go? Does it, does it plug a gap somewhere? Does it? A drop in the ocean. It, it's a drop in the ocean. I mean, you're you're talking millions of pounds needs to be built, billions maybe needs to be ploughed into. For the infrastructure, I mean, it's just people in streets, like normal streets, just bombed and decimated. Mm. And somebody shared a uh, thing on TikTok where you could, you could basically look up the geolocation of Tel Aviv and see how people in Tel Aviv are living. You would not think anything is happening at all in Tel Aviv. People aren't living in fear in Tel Aviv. People aren't afraid to go out of their houses in Tel Aviv. They're sitting at the same restaurants and same bars one of which I sat at on the last night that me and my mate were there and I've never felt so uncomfortable in my life as to have sat there and had a, had a drink and, a, and, a, and something to eat at a, at a restaurant in Tel Aviv in this weird fake place that's like Dubai or something like that that's just just been created. <laughs> and you're sitting there and I just, I just felt so, I just didn't feel right at all. It didn't sit well with me. And this is all going on as we as we unwatch this horror unfold there, people are living their lives there as if nothing's happened. And it's yeah. not far away from them. It's not far away, but they're they're safe. You know, they're, they're safe. Obviously, the atrocity that happened in, on October the 7th, they're not safe from that. But I, I, the, the way that they're the way that their government is dealing with this is abhorrent, and I, I can't believe all, you're getting so many voices speaking up against it and nothing's happening. It's just incredible that, that, that this is happening in 2023. When you think of all the things that people get angry about and the woke world that we live in, you know, little things about, uh, which are valid, by the way, a lot of the time, but you think about that and then you think of this on this scale, how is this not being addressed in the yeah. same way that, like, a comedian's jokes is being scrutinised like Frankie Boyle or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's what I mean in terms of the contrast of, of this, of this world that we live in. I can't believe
0: it's a level of of scrutiny that that you're talking about there that, um, you know, you get to a certain level um, of authority or of government, and then that scrutiny just disappears, JP. And it's great when Celtic fans step up to the, the plate. It's great when the likes of Eric Cantona, who's been a, um, a vocal supporter of Palestine for a long time, makes a statement which just nails what we're thinking, JP. Uh, people with a following, with a presence and with influence. Um, and more people like that need to step up. Big shout out to Feed the Bear for supporting the channel. It's always appreciated. And it allows us to continue running what we do on a daily basis. Jungle Lion comes in. Uh, huge progress and it'll get better if the board back Rogers, and I want to talk about that to you, JP, there was a moment last night, and I'm thinking to myself, imagine having the ability to do, and it would be on a different kind of scale, to do what Atletico Madrid did at halftime and bring on two players who would actually impact the game. And it was something we discussed time and time again on Durant's Postacoglu. We had that ability to take five players sometimes off the bench and to change a game. I didn't feel that we had that last Night in that way, so I'm not contradicting myself. I think we made positive changes, but it wasn't to go and win the game, it was to actually shore up the defence and uh, hopefully get through the game with something which we did. But it does come back to recruitment, and I don't think it was just the summer recruitment, JP. I think you know, you're looking at the starters last night, very few of them um, actually were signed in the summer, but we don't have that depth of squad yet, do we? And I think that. Going into the next transfer window and the one after that and so on, Rodgers needs to have a wee bit more say in players coming in who are starters who are actually going to make an immediate impact.
1: Yeah, I mean, when when James Forrest came on, obviously you're you're aware that James Forrest started in the the last yeah. game against Real like Madrid. So there's obviously there'll be people in the support that are like, oh, here we go, James Forrest is coming on, but. I don't think James Forrest did played badly. It, it's just obviously everyone is looking for a shiny new toy to have to come on, and I'm not I'm not averse to that because obviously I I want to see Celtic do as well as possible. And is James Forrest the best person uh, that can progress us at this level? Probably not, but I I, I genuinely would, I would have loved him to have scored last night. I mean, it would have been. What a story that would have been if he'd have come on and scored. Um, but it wasn't to be. But I think you're right, that the, the depth of the squad. It goes back to what we spoke about before, where season two recruitment under Ange Postecoglou wasn't good enough. And that's what we're feeling the brunt of a bit just now. Yeah. So we have to make sure that season two recruitment of Brendan Rodgers is, is far, far better and that... Everything that he identifies that he needs and wants, he either gets in January or he gets in the summer. Um, Because what he's done so far, league and Europe, has got a tune out of uh, of of a team that is largely not his. (laughs) It's not his team. He's he's just he's just taken over the reins of a team that was obviously a highly successful team, won a treble. Uh, and, and all the rest of it but it's definitely not it's definitely not his team you you, you want you want to see him bring in the players that that, that he'll hang his hat on um, and let's hope that that happens I, I think everyone's so ready to jump on the board and say that they're not willing to back a manager but as we've spoken about before there's no way he's kind of come back could, would have come back if he wasn't going to be backed by the board whether it's the type of signings that, I and mean, he's he's comfortably said we're not going to go out and spend fifteen million pounds on a player, fifteen mm-hmm. to twenty million pounds on a player. It's just not in our model. But we we could go out and spend, you know, five to ten on a player, mm-hmm. and then it's up to us to to develop that player to the to the point that they could become a 30 20, thirty million pound player somewhere down the line because as everyone knows there's a shelf life at the club two years usually um, but we've, we've, we've signed these players up on deals which is great and then obviously we need to bring in people to help them out and, and move as, as again Brendan Rodgers alluded to the squad's too big we need to move out the people that are not going to contribute going forward and there's, there's, a, there's a number of them but it, it has to be probably harshly done in, in some cases, where it's just like, look, you're not going to make the grade here, um, and they have to be, they have to be let like, go. Oh, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a brutal reality for a lot of the players that are that are going to be there. But it's, we can't we can't be giving uh, contracts out like sympathy votes. The contracts that have been given out so far, I would argue, are all merited. Yeah, Maida, Hatati, Carl McGregor, Matt O'Reilly. <laughs> Like these guys are all you—you you, you wouldn't want them to be running their contract down. You see, you see what happens if you let a player run their contract down. They get to that year stage or close to close to six months stage, and then it's you lose them and you you lose that value, as you saw with well, did you see it with Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much they ever would have gone for if they'd ever been tied down, but. Um, I'm sure. Was it, was it no £40 million for the two? Something along those lines. <laughs> Something like
0: that, I, yeah. It's just bad <laughs> asset management. It's allowing the value of what is an asset, obviously in terms of the player, um, run down and it is poor management. And I think we've done really well. And by the way, that needs to be mentioned. We've done really well with the amount of contracts that we've got key players on yeah. at the moment. But I, I'll go back to your point that you're saying there, Brendan Rodgers is getting a tune out of a, a certain group of players, and I know exactly what you mean because, you know, a few minutes into the game, what you, five minutes when he goes down? Real attack, he goes down in five minutes. I think he comes off after seven minutes um, after it was decided he can't continue. Uh, absolutely devastating blow for him as an individual. You saw he was in tears going off the park, JP. Uh, Brennan Rogers consoles him. There's that embrace at the side of the park. Doesn't surprise me about Rogers. I think that's what he does. He's a man-manager, he does that whole one-to-one thing. He can tap into a player's mindset, and he can make them start believing that they can, you know, improve and develop and, and progress. Even if that progression is elsewhere, um, he'll use that as a motivational tool to get the best out of them. So he comes off, and you're looking at the bench. This is the thing with the Forest argument. You're looking at the bench, and you're thinking, "What are the options here?" So Rio attack goes off. That is devastating. You know, he's coming into good form. He's had two brilliant games domestically, and you're thinking to yourself, he could be a key man tonight. I think he's been unlucky against Lazzo. Uh He was, he got the forearm to the face, remember, uh, early on against Latso. It seemed to knock him a bit. So you're looking on the bench, you think, right, what you got? You've got Tunbull, you've got Iwata. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself at that point, JP, they're probably more likely to come on the pack than Bernardo. Bernardo. Yeah. <laughs> but... But Brendan Rodgers makes the decision to bring on Bernardo, a 21-year-old guy who's in on loan, who has not got a massive amount of first-team experience. He's playing under-21 football for the Portuguese national team. <coughs> but when you look at the game in its entirety, he, he, it worked. He was part of the the you know that first half performance that Celtic had, and it was the right decision because it did work. And um, but he is, let's be honest, he's playing a 21-year-old guy who have got in on loan. You know, and you're thinking to yourself, maybe Bernardo will become an established Celtic player as, as the, the time progresses. We don't know at this stage, but he's certainly not the player that you would put into that category, instant impact. You know, the, the chairman's message, JP, was about players you can develop and players that will make an instant impact in the first team. He's definitely in the former category. He's a 21-year-old under aged International. He's a guy that you're looking to develop. Yet, because of the circumstances, Roger's has to put him in, and he does. But as you said, he got a tune out of him. And then when, you know, when Forrest comes on and you're looking at, right, what was your other option? Was it Yang? Because we've already seen Yang like a rabbit in the headlights against Motherwell at Fur Park. Um, So if that's the performance that he's putting in at that stage, would you go for Yang or would you go for Forrest? And I think what Rodgers has done, he's gone for a safe bet. He knows Forrest has got the experience. He knows exactly what he needs to do to get us through to the, uh, the end of the game. And let's be honest, we've got a two-each draw, so it worked. And then the other uh, tactical change with Phillips coming in, as I said before, I just think Rodgers pretty quickly realised we've got a different Atletico Madrid in the second half here, and we're going to have to scupper them. And yeah, they got their, their equaliser, but we did, we, and we got the 2-2 draw. And in the end, you know, if Celtic had won that game... JP, you know, I, I think it would have been deserving. It would have been a deserving win, even though they had the lion's share of the second half. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have bet against uh, James Forrest taking a chance. If if the ball had fallen to James Forrest, or if he'd uh, got in a position where he was had one defender to beat and had the the right or left side of the goal to put the ball into, James Forrest can can do that. And he has done it at this level. Um, has as much as people seem to have it in for him. Still, I, I, he has scored big goals for Celtic. Um, they may not have happened in in the recent past, but I don't think that ability and the confidence just leaves you. Uh, it, it, it's always going to be there. He obviously, maybe not be as fast as he once was in his mid twenties or whatever, but. Uh, I certainly didn't. I I wasn't despondent when he came on, put it that way. I was willing him to do as well as he possibly could. Um, I thought, I looked at the ratings on some, I can't remember what uh, site it was, whether it was a paper or whatever. It definitely wasn't a Celtic thing. It was a a supposedly neutral uh, outlet. And they'd given Greg Taylor a four, which, yeah. Most other players were like, Joe Hart got an eight. Matt O'Reilly got an eight, you know, there was sevens, maybe one six, but Greg Taylor was given a four. And I was just like, how, how do you get a 2 each draw against Atletico Madrid and one of your players is on a four out of ten? How does that happen? I don't think that happens.
0: There's <laughs> no I- way he was a four. No way. I mean, JP, right, I've already mentioned it. I, I think he should have closed down the cross um, quicker than he did. Um. And the other part of the game is he's given away a penalty, which we can talk about because there is a question around whether or not it was. Let us know in the comments, Field, do you agree with you? Brendan Rodgers, who reckons it was a harsh decision? It went to far. They've had a look at it. It was a penalty. And again, let's not forget, Hart saves the penalty. He's not getting much credit for the fact he saved two penalties in Europe so far mm-hmm. this season. He saves the penalty, but it was such a kind of clean hit. It's ricocheted off that post and came back to the, the same player that missed the penalty. Um, and the Celtic defence did not have the opportunity to to cut that out, which was, you know, again, it's Martin's JP, if it ricochets a wee bit to the left, it's gone and it's a way to safety. It's just the way it's gone. But um, yeah, so you could say, right, Taylor was at fault um, partly for both goals. You could say that. What about his pass for the second goal? Mm. What about his pass into Maeda? It was inch perfect. Um, the secondary assist, of course. But without that defence split and pass, we don't get them on the back foot. We don't score the second goal, JP.
1: What a goal, by the way. Mm. I mean, what what a hit. The touch to bring it under control and then the hit was... Composure. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And I I was pleased for Palma, especially after uh, he got... Uh, rinsed online for sell for over celebrating against Lazio and it, for a goal that didn't stand. It's just like well, there you go he scored in the Champions League now, and I've made I've made that point before about players who score at Champions League level push themselves up several uh, notches in terms of how they're thought of by the support, uh, which is a big deal for like the mm-hmm. buy-in on a player. You know, there's there'll be very few people now with question marks over Luis Palmer after last night and after these goals in the league as well. I think there was some question marks over him everyone always adds in the fact that he's not got pace and that might well be true but he can finish a ball. I mean that was, what what a goal to do that in Champions League against Atletico Madrid. I mean he's pro- he's probably dreamt of doing something like that since he was a wee guy and then we've given him the platform to do it and long may that continue um, because he's he's deadly. He, he is actually deadly and the manager clearly likes him. As he's making that that position his own and uh, yeah, what a moment for him. And, and When they showed the goal again on the screen, there was like another cheer for the goal and it was a kind of mixture of a cheer and a, oh, like, wow, like a kind of almost like a, a gasp of uh, 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 the quality of it, um, which is really cool. So, I am really, really pleased that he's uh, that he's he's doing the business for us because that is a signing that came in under Brendan Rogers. That is a yeah. That is a, You know, we look back at the signings that, you well, know, usually when you spend a bit of money, the oh, is probably an outlier in that. But but usually when you spend a bit of money, i.e., three and a half million. You're going to get quality at some point down the line. It might not happen immediately, but you'll get it somewhere down the line. Um, and we're, we're getting it maybe earlier than we would have anticipated in the season.
0: Yeah, and I think with Palma as well, we lost a, a fan's favourite, a hero in Jota. Um, and we bring in three different wingers, JP, but you're looking at the wingers, you're trying your best, you're looking at obviously the show reels and the stats and data, but really, you're thinking you've got Yang, Tilio and Palma. Um, and all three of them can switch wings as well. He's obviously much more effective on the left. Uh, although when he scores his goal, he scored it from the right-hand side, Palma. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, what do we know? What do we know about um, a Honduran who's been playing in Greek football? Uh, what do we know about the South Korean game? What do we really know about the Australian game? So you give them that time. i I'm not curious, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: so really- Unless you're a
0: very good liar, nothing. Because <laughs> Nothing, I, exactly. You've got to be honest about it. Um, <laughs> we all do the same. We all try and get as much as we can from a new signing online. Um, I remember when Ange Bostokoglu came in the door and all of a sudden people were uh, you know watching everything they could and they ordered his book and all of a sudden they were an authority on Ange Bostokoglu. And you think, right, you've got the same access as everybody else about each individual. And it's what they do with Celtic over a period of time, JP. That's when you can start judging them as players as performers and at the moment obviously Yang I thought looked in the early you know you look back at that game at Pothorgia where he's made a difference when he's came off the bench we're talking about impact players game changers he did that against Aberdeen that day um, created the third goal for Matt O'Reilly put it beyond kind of doubt at that stage last night I didn't have the confidence that we could bring Yang on but when Palmer started nobody's arguing that Palmer starts last night everybody's got the confidence in him and he doesn't have the blistering pace I don't even think he's got that kind of trickery to, to you know, uh, run right against a particular fullback. back But th- there's something about, um, I think he's he's brilliant with a, a strike. He's great with a dead ball. Um, and you know what? When you're looking at his, his assists and his goals, at the end of the season, if he keeps that up, he's been a brilliant signing for that price. An absolutely sensational signing. The other the other wingers haven't made the same impact. But uh, one in three, to be honest with you, I want more than that. Because well, if you get one in three, then... We should have three of the new signings.
1: No, that's true. World. I think one of the things that just watching Brendan Rodgers' press conferences, which are which are good to watch, that, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, yeah. he's a fascinating guy to listen to. Um, he obviously doesn't give loads away, but like I think when he's pressed on, when he's asked sort of slightly inane questions, um, one of the things that he always replies with is, it's just about time it's about time and patience. I think people are are, are guilty and I'm guilty of it as well. It's like you want want things to just happen like that. It's the world that we live in is everything needs to be, oh, we want that in the next five minutes. Mm -hmm. There's no patience. It's...
0: It's like my publisher. I mean, you know, it took me seven years to write a book. They were at me all the time. We want it now, Paul. We want it now. You've missed another deadline. And I was quite relaxed about it. And that's it took me seven years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aye. Well, yeah, well, it is kind of like that, though, that, they, that everyone does want results from a player or, a, or as a collective, like, immediately. And, and who's to say that after six months to eight months of coaching, with Brendan Rodgers and the coaching staff that are at Celtic that Yang doesn't start producing results in games and gets goals and and gets his confidence up because I don't think we've just signed a dud there I think I think there's there's probably materials there that the coaches can work with I mean you keep seeing articles saying Harry Kuehl's put an arm around Dyson Maeda Dyson is a Japanese international who's 24 25 years old he's not a wee guy you know he's he's well, he is wee, but like he's, he's not like a, a young guy. And and so these players constantly will need uh, a different take on things. And that little minuscule shift that you can put into a player's life style, like maybe we've seen with Matt O'Reilly. I mean, obviously Brendan Rodgers will again try and attribute whatever Matt O'Reilly's done to the player himself and not take the credit for it but there could be wee tiny little things that he's putting into Matt Rowe's daily uh, routine or his training or whatever or things that he works on in a game there could be those things that have just allowed him to develop further and and that happens over over time obviously if you're a very 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 gifted football player then you've got a head start then you you, you don't need to work on things as much but if you've got the speed and the ability to get by a, by a man, then that can be worked on as well to, to produce results. So I I, I I don't think I'm at the point where I'm writing, writing off a guy like Yang, um, just simply because we've not seen it from him yet. I think there's a potential there. And, and if anybody's going to get a tune out of him, it's Brendan Rogers. <laughs> you know? This is
0: the belief I've got. I mean, I, I think back many moons ago, On a Celtic state of mind, we interviewed Ronnie Dyler. Uh, Check it out. It's on their YouTube channel. Audio um, interview it was at the time as well. And he spoke at the time about Virgil van Dyke, who any Celtic fan who watched them in action, JP, knew very early the boy was a different level. But what Ronnie Dyler was trying to explain is that if you've got that type of player, um, they need to make a decision at some point in their career. And that decision isn't about their ability. Their ability is there. But if they want to tap into it and maximise it, then it's all that other bit they need to do right. Um, and Ronnie Dailer spoke about the fact that until Virgil van Dijk did that, he was never going to become that that player that went on to win Champions Leagues and Leagues with Liverpool. And I think he came third in the Ballon d'Or one year and all that stuff. A captain in the Dutch national side, he said that wouldn't have happened had he not made the, the life decisions that I think the likes of Matt O'Reilly's making, uh, because we've been hearing about, obviously, his dedication to his craft, his training, his diet, conditioning. You've got a natural ability that will take you so far, JP, but then sometimes a player works with a manager who's able to tap into their, um, the other reserves that they've got in there, and if they can do that, then they become a very special talent. Certain managers can do it. I think Brendan Rodgers is one of them. He can really tap into a player. And I also think that if he, if he finds that he can't, he's, he's done with him. He'll no waste his time on that mm-hmm. individual. And that person probably won't play a part uh, for Celtic. But there's a lot of potential in the Celtic squad where you're thinking to yourself, yeah, we might have a player in this one. We might have a player in that. I don't want to write off any of the new signings that came in in the summer. I think if I go further back and I'm looking at um, Kobayashi, Bernabe and Seagrist, they're three players I talk about a lot. And I know that they were they were... Brought in over two different transfer windows, GP, but they're not at the quality that we need, They're three players. And uh, when you look at them accumulatively, Seagrass was a free, uh, Bernabee was about four million, and um, well, Kobayashi, on top of
1: that, I think really said that Kobayashi, had he not picked up the injury, would he probably have probably gone out and won. Right. He said that recently. Mm-hmm. So that that's, gives you an indication of what he may think. Of Kobayashi and whether or not he has a future at Celtic, yeah. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what happens on Saturday at Easter Road in terms of the midfield because I wonder if he had a plan to to change the team for Saturday to to basically give players game time off the back of Wednesday. So, would if Atati had played the whole game on Wednesday, would he have dropped out on Saturday for someone else? So obviously now you'll have to drop out for someone else, so someone else will get the start in jersey at Easter Road and it'll be interesting to see which one of Iwata, Turnbull, Bernardo, will he give Bernardo a rest given that Bernardo played the majority, well, pretty much did play the majority yeah. of
0: the game. Well, but, you're right, he played 90 minutes because it ran on to 95. So Yeah.
1: So, like, will, will he get a rest?
0: My dog going don't know what, who it is. Could be anybody. I, I the, that's the one hour uh, reminder. That's what it is, mate. Because it's just... Right, right it. on
1: the nose. Right, yeah. right not, on the nose. I'm not answering that because I guarantee it'll be... It won't be for me. <laughs> I guarantee it won't be. But, uh, aye, so I'm interested to see Saturday, like who um, who gets brought in. That'll be... Not-
0: see the thing as well though he does have options now in the midfield doesn't he because we've seen a, a really good performance against Hearts by Awata a good start to the season man of the match performance by David Turnbull and now Bern, eh, Bernardo's come on mm-hmm. you know and, and you know what it could have been a sink or swim for him last night and I thought he, he done really really well so there's options and I think Rodgers will look at Hibs as an opponent um, who would be the most light for like player eh, for Hattati it's a tough one uh, Turnbull, maybe. If you're looking like for like, I, I
1: wouldn't. I wouldn't be against it. I, I I know that he's not fancied by a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know why, but I I, I wouldn't be against Turnbull starting. I, I think the popular choice would probably be a water because of yeah. his goal on on Sunday uh, against Harps. He took it very well. Don't get me wrong. And and I, I think a lot of people. Despite us not having seen a lot of Iwata, I think a lot of people were based on the fact that it was the most valuable player in the J League, coming to us. Kind of think well, there's probably a decent player in there, yeah. Uh, and and there probably is. Uh, so I, I, I like I trust the manager. I completely trust the manager. The guy's negotiated as unbeaten in the league so far. He's gone to Ibrox with a a, a shadow team or a shadow defence come away with three points. He's gone to Tynecastle, come away with three points. He's gone mm-hmm. to the come away with three points. He's been, I would say, unfortunate in the European games. Uh, the Kilmarnock game in the Cup is a source of frustration because you, you would like to think we would still be in that uh, competition right now and and hopefully going for yet yeah, another League Cup victory, but that's not to be. Um, but yeah. he has my trust completely in in terms of what he's doing with us with Celtic team and as he said at that fan event last week he 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 felt that he was being written out or edited out of Celtic history and that wasn't something that sat well with him and is one of the reasons that he's he's back and that's music to my ears because that's that's what I wanted him to do I didn't want him to leave the first time because I didn't want his legacy to be tarnished because you don't want any successful Celtic manager's legacy to be tarnished. I don't want Neil Wenning's legacy to be tarnished by season 2021. 20, I, I I want him to be remembered as a guy that gave like everything for Celtic as a player. I watched him week in, week out as a player under Martin O'Neill and Gordon Strachan. And and then I watched him as a successful manager. Uh, I watched him enjoy beating Rangers. Uh, I watched them enjoy beating Barcelona. And, and th- those things don't just get forgotten about because of that weird anomaly of a season that some of us probably can't even believe happened, to be honest, because we didn't see any of it. I know, I know. The thing with Lenny, it would have been great if he was
0: able to to come along and play for the, the game against the Rock as well. Obviously, it was um, due to things out with anyone's control that that Neil Lennon wasn't able to play. But it would have been great to get him back in about the kind of hub of a proper Celtic community. It's a matter of time, I think, before we see him um coming along to an Axon live event. Oh. Watch this space. <laughs> Watch this space, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you everybody for getting involved. Um, as I've said before and I'll say it again um, I love a Thursday with JP, we often talk about music, today we didn't actually digress, we never plan these things JP, it just happens naturally, we didn't digress into the world of music, I'm sure it will come next weekend and the following weeks after that. Thanks everybody for getting involved, if you want to get involved in what else we're doing, there's a few wee links under the video so feel free to check them out, I'll be with Martin O'Neill over the weekend, Um few tickets available if you're in the Dundee or... Um, where else? Dumfries area. Some drive to Dumfries. Um, come along and see Martin O'Neill on stage. He's one of the finest talkers in the world. Of Definitely. The oh,
1: and, and loves and loves his music as well. He does. Um, what, remember
0: the pictures of him in Las Vegas backstage? Mm-hmm. and It was just brilliant. Red wine, Las Vegas, J.P. Mason, Martin O'Neill. That is the world of Axon. Ah. Um, so if you want to come along to that gig or any of the other future gigs... Uh, Give us a shit. What do you make of a gig with Liam Brady? Now, I'm being serious. What do you make of a gig with Liam Brady? Uh, Liam Brady's just written an autobiography. um, An Irish legend. I know that his time at Celtic wasn't a memorable one, uh, but you look at his football credentials, the time he spent over in Italy, obviously uh, Arsenal, and a superstar as a youngster at Arsenal, and latterly with West Ham. Is it worth bringing him over to Glasgow? Let me know in the comments.
1: 100%. Uh, yeah, by the it's, way, it's not as if it's not as if he came to Celtic and wanted to, to fail. I'm pretty sure he came to Celtic with all good intentions. Yeah, as did John Barnes. It, you know, there's not, there's not people haven't come in to sabotage their own careers by coming to Celtic. I mean, we all come in thinking I can do something here, but it, it's a huge job, and it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work out for some people because of the fact that it is a huge job, and we've seen it happen with uh, with others as well, where it's just like, well, it happened when, for, to quite a lot of people when they were going up against a, a financially juiced Rangers machine in the 90s. But um mm. wheels fell off that, it um, became a little bit, not easier, but a little bit more competitive, shall we say, <laughs> um, when we weren't uh, having to go out and sign players for 50 grand here and stuff like that when they're signing players for 4 million Italian Italian internationals and things like that. Um, I know, I know. Yeah.
0: No, you're right. I mean, Liam Brady, I was, I was there and an absolute regular with the old fella going to all the games and you really wanted it to work. Uh, Irish legend brought in a lot of big name players, actually, Liam Brady. You know, if you think about Cascarino, Gillespie, Mowbray, Slater, spent a lot of money, didn't work out. Um, but I think if he was to come over and do a book event with us, it would it would work. Let us know in your, your comments. It would not solely be um, his time at Celtic. He's got an incredibly glittering career that we would talk about. But, um, yeah, it would give you the opportunity to, to speak also about his time at Celtic. So let us know your thoughts. And if we can make it happen, we will. Um, as you can maybe guess, I've already made inquiries hmm. in relation to that. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you once again, J.P. Mason, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, no Paul. Network.